Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. Hey everybody, it's that time once more to grow, go around the world one more time and have a beer or two along the way. It's Dan, and if you've been following me on, uh, on the social media stuff, you noticed that I mentioned that we're going to have someone, at least I think is relatively famous in, in the YouTube world, and a very accomplished home brewer. We have Sarah Flora of Flora Brewing from YouTube on the show today to come and talk to us about some tips and tricks and a little bit about her adventure in brewing. Um, I first found uh, Sarah through a buddy of mine down in Colorado, uh, Coulter Wilson. And then from there, I basically ripped through all of her videos and I was like, holy hell, this is awesome. And watching her videos actually helped me rebuild a bunch of kegs that I got given. So Sarah in advance, thank you very much for being on the show. And thank you for teaching me how to rebuild a keg. Thanks for having me. I am always happy to hear that something helped. I, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm screaming in the void, but everyone who comments and says that I helped them is the reason I keep doing it. That's awesome. So um, you've been a a homebrew now for going on what, three or four years now? I think I'm at like my five-year mark-ish. You know, it's hard to keep track. What is time anymore? It's beer, who cares? So, um, yeah, and you're pretty accomplished in the homebrew world. Like I've seen you, you've got medals from uh, the Shebrew competition. I believe that was out in California too. Uh, and yeah, there's I a few see. others along the way. You've got some silvers, some bronzes. I think you got one or two golds in there. I've got two golds um, for local competitions um, in LA. I've done Queen of Beer, Shebrew, and I've medaled in both. Um, but yeah, those are my, my two favorite um accomplishments uh women are man they are good brewers and they are hard to beat so if i can rank among them it makes me extremely happy well i think you're doing a pretty awesome job so far just watching uh what you're doing on youtube and watch and reading about um hate to put it like this but your pedigree in brewing uh is is pretty awesome so Aside from what we just kind of go over, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into it, and then we'll start diving into a little bit more. Yeah, um, I got started. I feel like, honestly, I feel like a lot of women get started this way. Um, I bought a kit for my husband because we're huge beer nerds, and that's what we do in our me- in our free time, go to breweries, drink beer, try new stuff, and he did not take to the brewing system. Uh, I'm, uh, I've always been a cook. So I was like, screw it. This is just like cooking or fermenting like pickles or whatever. And (laughs) I was, I was like immediately hooked. You know, it was like really hard to kind of follow the instructions that came with the kit. And I was just like, I am so out of my wheelhouse. I have no idea what any of this stuff means. And that's kind of why I started documenting my progress on Instagram and then eventually YouTube, because I feel like, you know, when you're getting started, it's kind of daunting and kind of crazy. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, even if you have brewed for five years or 20 years, you're still going to screw up a lot. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's the story of my life. Come on. (laughs) So why getting in 
to YouTube. I, I, I can see that you had a fantastic following on uh, Instagram, but why delve into YouTube? I feel like YouTube, you can actually provide more of an educational experience. So Instagram, I mean, when I started my YouTube Instagram, like videos weren't really a huge thing. So it was, you know, posting one photo and kind of giving a rundown of what I'm doing, but there's a limited availability to actually teach on it. And I, I think I'm slowly realizing that my mother being a teacher has kind of worn off on me. It's, uh, I thoroughly enjoy teaching people new things and like kind of blowing their minds with just random facts about brewing and just all these little tips and tricks that you might not pick up unless you know you're fully diving into all the message boards and everything, which I can't help myself to do. But um, yeah, and then uh, I'm starting a podcast as well. And I'm starting that because uh, one thing I've noticed that I find really fascinating is that the history of beer and stories behind beer are kind of overlooked. Um, and I, I know a lot of brewers focus on more of the technical aspects of beer because, you know, we're all trying to get, make our beer better. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we end up focusing on, but there's such a vast, like expansive knowledge that I feel like is almost hidden, um, about how we got here and how we started brewing and, what has happened over history and just random funny stories about beer and about brewing companies and like all the stuff it's been around since the dawn of time. So you can imagine that there's a lot of history involved. It's a common theme throughout uh, civilization. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am, I am a big history nerd too. And um, I've been working on some stuff on historical beers. Like I've made my first one uh, at Thoroch, which is uh, a Scottish uh, ale made with heather tips and no and no hops. Which oh, wow. is so basically before um, hops even made it into the UK, this is what they were using for bittering agents, which was a natural plant indigenous to them, and it was still barley, water, yeast, and then the heather tips. Yeah. I've, so, I've also read awesome. like Wormwood was common too. I was reading something today about Wormwood. I'm, I was doing some research on hops and the history of hops today. So um, oh. yeah, it's, it's, I feel like every conversation I have, I'm like immediately researching what I like, what we're end up talking about right before. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically ales didn't have hops for years and hops didn't become popular until the 17th century. And then, you know, everything kind of blew up and hops took over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. even up until 1995, I found this amazing YouTube clip of a Keystone Light commercial where oh, no. the, the whole tagline was no more bitter beer face. They were like touting that their beer didn't have a ton of hops in it. And I, it's such, so worth a chuckle. It's amazing. They just open a tap then. It's, I mean, come on. That's all there is to it. You don't want beer with a little hop flavor? Open a tap. Uh -huh. <laughs> so now what are your, some of your favorite things about brewing? Like things that actually help you with your brewing? Things that help me with my brewing. Um, I think honestly, this is going to sound so simple and so stupid, but I have this like wallpaper sprayer that I put sanitizer in 
I've and seen that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's life changing. I I have like a slight case of carpal tunnel, so like pumping a spray bottle with sanitizer was not the ticket. So my husband brought one of these things home and he's like, can you use this? And I was like, oh my God, this is going to change everything. <laughs> and honestly, people ask me about it all the time. And it's just so easy because you can just like, hey, you can spray it upside down. So if you're like in a tight spot, mm -hmm. it's just like, whatever, spray everything with sanitizer. That and then on the higher end of equipment, uh, my glycol chiller has completely changed my yeah. brewing. I haven't. Like I've screwed up a beer because I forgot to turn on the glycol chiller. But other than that, all my temperature problems, it's, it's really easy. Well, the glycol chiller is uh, loud. So when I'm doing podcasts or interviews or videos, I turn it off and I am a very forgetful person. So there's been times that I forget to turn it back on and it gets to like 85 degrees in the beer and it's just like, oh, ruin that one for the gram. <laughs> well, you know, you can do pressure fermentation. Yeah, I've actually, um, I have a spunding valve on my list to get so that I can do pressure fermentation and ferment at a higher temperature. I find it really fascinating. I've done it once in a very, very dangerous way. Fortunately, uh -oh. the keg was fermenting in the middle of the woods. So okay. nothing happened. It didn't explode or anything, but I wasn't using a spunding valve. I was just literally left a fermenting beer in a keg closed like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. So I did that's let what it I... ferment mostly out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been doing lately is a lot of, um, uh, a lot of pressure fermentation. I have um, two firmzillas with, with spunding valves. And I can turn a logger around in like three days. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely, yeah. I, Spike is supposed to put out one and I've been talking to them about it, but I think their R&D process is just like kind of going haywire about it. Look up uh, Brian Huntley of Short Circuit Brewers. Yeah. Just wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Talk to him. Okay. Because cause he gets stuff to review from Spike and yeah. it's, we'll, we'll leave it at that. You can read between the lines on that one. I'm going to have to be like, give me the hookup. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk offline. We'll talk offline. Yeah, because I'm getting on one of the, the, the Flex uh, Plus coming. Yeah, yeah. My so, friend has one of those. I have like the Flex Standard um, from, I think it was like right before they did the Plus. But um, yeah, I definitely am interested in that. I have a Delta that you can do... Um, pressurized transfers it doesn't go nearly as high as the flex plus but it's like you know three yeah. psi or something it's enough to push beer sitting on the floor into a keg which i'm all about i'm so tired of lifting full fermenters and then like shaking mm -hmm. it all up and then having to wait another day yeah. while it's on my countertop yeah yeah i mean i like the firm zealous because i mean when i'm doing the pressure stuff it's i hold it around 12 psi but the total amount that I could pressurize this thing to is 35. That's wild. Yep. So basically when it comes time to do the, the transfer, I'll crank the, the CO2 bottle up to about 2025 to get enough head pressure on there just to keep it pushing straight down. Mm -hmm. That way it just relieved the pressure in your keg and you're golden. And it yeah. is the best thing to do, especially with the floating dip tubes. Yeah. I, oh my God. Floating dip tubes are another one. Floating dip tubes are like my probably my favorite thing 
that I totally forgot about. Um, they're just like, I, I won't keg a beer without them now. Cause I'm just like, I, when I used to keg before I had the floating dip tubes, I would have to wait until half the keg was drank by my husband before I would enjoy a glass. And yeah, I'm super sensitive to yeast. Oh. Uh, I just hate the taste of it. Like even Hefeweizens, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's like so yeasty. I can't stand it. So Yeah, I'm not a big Saison guy. I just don't like that banana taste. Yeah, I mean, White Labs French Saison yeast is pretty great. Um, it gives you a really sage uh, phenol, like sage aroma and taste. Yeah. Um, it, I, I never really get banana out of it which is nice, but that's always my go-to saison. Yeah, I have a hard time with certain yeasts because I just find um, the flavors that are, yeah, the, the flavor or the aroma they, they leave behind is just not conducive to my palate. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, they're, they're probably right on the money for what they're supposed to be doing, but I don't necessarily enjoy it. So why drink something you're not going to enjoy? Yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. Like I'm... Uh, it's, it's funny. A lot of my friends and I, we do beer as gifts and somehow I got tagged as like the person who likes sour beers. I think, cause I went through a slight sour phase like three years ago. And now I'm just like, I don't want to drink sour beers anymore. I want lagers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like give me a good lager and I'm happy. Like you could buy me a Stella and I'd be cool. Ooh. Oh my God. I go through so much Stella. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm lucky. I work at a, at a, at a craft brewery about five minutes from where I live. Good thing that I'm retired. I get to do what I want now. Oh, um, yeah. So there, and they have a really good Czech Pilsner. Then they have a Keller beer. And then they bring on during the spring and the summer, they bring on their wheat beers. And then they have like a Cali common and some really good, uh, they have a couple of good hazy IPAs and it just goes on. I mean, that's where I've learned a lot of stuff that I'm doing now for my brewing because it's like, well, what better place to learn than inside of a brewery? Because there you can see what, what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. How did you learn what worked and didn't work for you? Did you just like trial and error and just kind of curse and swear or? It's a lot of trial and error and Googling, a lot of Googling. Um, I really like the brew your own website because they do, when you're trying to create a recipe, they have like these guidelines of recipes and like how to build a recipe more. And I do videos on how to build recipes now. Um, but the thing is like all the recipes I'm building on my YouTube channel is the first time I've ever made them. So I don't know if they're going to work. I'm really lucky. Um, I don't know. Something just makes sense about how beer comes together for me. And I think mm -hmm. I'm really lucky in that way. And I think it also has to do with me like growing up being a cook and yeah, it's just some, something about the flavor profiles just work in my brain and like how to combine fruit with these things. And uh, I go through the BJCP guidelines and mm. make sure that I'm hitting the styles, hitting the marks. And then, you know, apps like Brewfather and Beersmith are uh, invaluable for building recipes and kind of figuring out what you're doing. And yeah, I'm, I'm like not the kind of person who likes to follow a recipe. So I have really only done like 
maybe four or five beers that I've actually like done from someone else's recipe. I've Mm -hmm. just been creating them since I started pretty much to match my flavor preferences. Yeah. I'll usually look and see, okay, that recipe looks interesting. Then I'm like, okay, I see what you're using, but I don't want to use any of that. And then I'll just change all the greens completely. And then I'm like, well, I don't like your yeast. I like, cause I have a, one of the guys I talk to a lot. He's one of the founders for escarpment laboratories out here in Canada. It's like, uh, it's a Canadian owned um, yeast producer. And they are like, in my opinion for Canada, one of the best ones out there. And I use their yeast, their liquid yeast religiously. And I get nothing but good results. And yeah, so I get what you're saying. I mean, if you once you find something that works, you don't want to change it. Yeah. And I mean, like you go on these message boards and you like compare yeasts and stuff, but I feel like a lot of the yeasts that different companies are putting out are pretty similar. They're, you know, they're relatively kind of the same species, even more so than species, but you know, like Safale 05 is like California ale yeast for a different brand and that kind of thing. So yeah so are you a part of a homebrew club where you are or do you find that the homebrewers that have an influence on what you're doing i am part of two homebrewer clubs i'm a terrible club member uh, <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> i don't like going to meetings i don't like i don't do this i really don't do the zoom calls they're just a nightmare to me um like in-person homebrew meetings are okay, but I'm not like a hugely social person. So that's not my vibe at all. Um, I'm much more of a like one to two people hangout than like a whole club situation. But mm-hmm. I, um, I find them extremely valuable. Um, just because you know, you can like I've done festivals with my club, um, the SoCal Serviceros, they put on like big um, homebrew festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, that the public can actually go to and it's all donated to nonprofits. Um, And I've um, been at a judging of a competition and uh, like volunteered there. And I find that really valuable and it's really fun to talk to judges um, in that situation. So I fully encourage to volunteer at a homebrew comp even if you don't even intend to be a judge you literally can just open the beer bottles for them and chat <laughs> nice all right so you use a claw hammer and i use a robobrew i'll find a trick for my robobrew is i'll put the actual malt pipe inside of a mesh bag just to catch any extra sediment hmm. or crap coming out of it to keep it from going down into the pump from clogging the pump and everything else I find that works because the amount of solids I, I'll, I'll catch is remarkably large. For your setup, for your claw hammer, what kind of tips and tricks do you have for that setup? Because I, I can see it's it's pretty uh, quite the bulky system. It is pretty bulky. I mean, I added a um, the Blickman Riptide pump, which makes it even more bulky. That pump is like as heavy as the whole system. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the mesh screen that comes with that is extremely fine. Um, like I would almost say too fine sometimes, like it's hard to drain occasionally. Um, but you know, I, 
I think I, I think I have tried a bag within there to prevent the okay. draining from being an issue, but you know, there it's metal with a bag and I'm just afraid to rip my nylon. So, mm. cause I still use it when I'm doing propane. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's worked out well for me. I don't know if there's any like, oh, the one thing I will say that I have hacked together is the temperature probe. The opening is, I think they've changed the design since I got mine, but um, the temperature probe that I have is very, like the, the thermo well is very wide. So mm-hmm. I was getting incorrect temperature readings within the thermo well. So I literally okay. just took some silicone tubing and wrapped it around the cord and just I plug it in that way to retain more heat. And it works great now. It's very consistent. Awesome. But little things like that go a long way, especially when someone has something that's similar and you think they can, it'll help them. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. so f- like in mind that like, I got the Gen 3 when they first redid it, the RoboBrew, and they put like a fine screen over top the bottom screen inside the malt pipe. And it started to fray and everything else. So you get these little wiry bits happening and I'm just yeah. like gone. I'm using a mesh bag. I don't need that. It's catching everything. And then instead of just dumping the hops straight into uh, the boil and all that, they go inside of a little hop sock, drop it in that way. I don't clog my pump. Everything's great. And then oh, you yeah. squeeze the bag, get everything out. So. Yeah. There's um. There's like a hop spider situation that comes with the claw hammer. That's really great. Um, and yeah, I use it every time I, you know, I've, um, I've tested just tossing hops in. It's a goddamn nightmare. Yep. <laughs> it's like yep. they're, they clog your pump. They clog everything. It's like they, they clog the filter that's attached to the valve to leave the beer. So you can't even get your beer out. So. Yep. Yeah. So the manifold of mine is open. So I just know those little T balls you can get like the yeah. look like a ball. So I broke mm-hmm. one of those in half and just set that over top of the, uh, the intake. Nice. That's smart. And that way, if anything's going to get clogged, it's going to be that. Yeah. So it's just, it'll, it'll slow it down, but it won't stop it. Yeah. So, and, and that's has saved my pump, like endless amounts of me having to take it apart, clean it out, flush it whatnot because it's all internal totally. so it's a pain in the ass to take it apart oh yeah the rubber brew is all internal that's interesting yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. about yeah i was always wondering how those systems worked but that makes sense that everything's internal that seems like a nightmare to fully clean like at least for my blickman pump i just take the face off and like rinse it yeah. out and it's clean so for me i have to flip it over take four bolts out of the bottom and then take um, one of the circuit boards off the bottom to get at the pump. Then I have to remove the pump from the actual side wall, remove the, remove the hoses. And I'm like, okay, I have a pump. Take the, take the face off. Okay. That's fine. Take the hoses off and then squeeze all the gunk out, flush yeah. them, clean them, sanitize them. And then away we go again. Yeah, if you it's, had to do that every time, that would not be a good selling point. <clears throat> well, my first few beers, it was it was like that, and I was just like, yeah, never again. And then I just try to figure out ways to make my life easy. I mean, I'm yeah. like, I admit it. There's times I'm lazy. I'm not ashamed of it. Come on. <laughs> 
That's the way oh, it is. You should you should see my plate chiller. I stopped using a plate chiller because I'm like could never get it fully clean. I think I'm, I'm just too impatient. It's just like disgusting. are you using an immersion heat uh, chiller or? I've been doing no chill lately, but um, now that I'm gonna start brewing outside and in my garage, I'm just gonna use. Um, I have a jaded immersion that is awesome, and it is so friggin' fast. I think it's faster than my plate chiller. Um, it's just a beast. I think it's the hydro. Oh, that's just a copper immersion chiller, right? Yeah. yeah so it's got three. It's got three lines three water lines within the whole thing. So essentially it's like three times as fast as like your standard one coil. Holy crap. It, it's really cool. It's pricey, but I think it's worth it. Especially yeah. like if you're sticking to five gallon batches, it's really fast. Yeah, I have a, um, the one that came with my system is just stainless steel, but I bought the Whirlpool arm. So I get the mm -hmm. circulation happening and yeah. the temperature drop is remarkable after that yeah. that's so, actually smart i've never used my whirlpool arm with the chiller but that's a great idea because i got mm -hmm. i have one that's just like rests on the top of um the system and like has a hole that kind of goes in yep. and into the beer yeah it's called like the hangover or something but yeah that's a great idea yeah so i just that. put mine inside the the cam lock for the recirculation pump open it up full tilt turn it on let it circulate through as I'm chilling. And it honestly, it'll go from 212 uh, down to 190 within like three minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you like about, um, I, what do you like? Well, everyone likes beer. I mean, come on. Um, what do you find that can be improved with your brewing what would you want to change i mean i i know you said like in past you may you were considering maybe upgrading to a bigger system i am i'm actually currently running 240 volt power into my garage so that i can Ooh. um so that's part of the garage build that's taking a while um so i'm gonna get the 20 gallon claw hammer and i have um i'm gonna get a 14 gallon brew built uh, fermenter that has glycol mm -hmm. within it. Um, oh, you're getting the double jacket system. Nice. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, I don't believe like, me. I would be too. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <clears throat> but yeah, um, of course, I got to clean out the garage before that all happens. But um, what I am currently struggling with is New England IPAs. I cannot nail them down. They're my white whale. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I tried making one. It was only supposed to be about six and a half, seven percent. I messed up somewhere and I came out close to 10. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, my buddy and I took one, took a mouthful each, and we're like, we're not driving anywhere, are we? Nope. <laughs> nope. Stay in put. Yeah, when I brew in Washington, somehow I end up making 10% beers on a regular basis. And like my neighbors and I, we're, we'll just have like a couple. And then we're like, do you guys have to work tomorrow? I hope not, because <laughs> this night's going haywire. Exactly. So do you have friends over? I mean, I've seen Jenny learn to brew with you. And Jenny, I got to admit, Jenny is a hoot. But do you teach other people how to make beer? Um. Uh, 
Jenny is my first from nothing to brewing uh, student, I guess. Um, my, my neighbor up north, um, he had taken a five-year hiatus of brewing and I got him to restart. And I feel like, you know, he was, he was like an extract brewer and I got him into all grain, but you know, I haven't really, I've done brew days with like my homebrew club and stuff and had, uh, groups of women over to kind of teach to brew, but it just, you know, it ends up being a social hour a lot. And I just end up brewing while we're drinking. <laughs> um, and, and I don't know if wrong. they retain anything, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that social hour, having some good time and things like that, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so Seeing as the as a New England IPA is your white whale, what is your go-to consistent gotta have it all the time recipe then? Uh my new one is uh my fest beer that I made. That's gonna be my house beer. I saw it's, that. It's so good. It's insane. It's okay. Like I'm blown away that I made it. Nice. <laughs> all right. Cause my next experiment's gonna be uh a uh barrel-aged bourbon stout Ooh. Mm-hmm. so I my buddy's do not like barrel-aged stouts but i am there's there's a trick to it <laughs> there's a trick there's a definite trick to it so uh my buddy at, at who who's the founder over at escarpment richard he's sending me some two different strains of yeast to try but uh instead of having an oak barrel um i don't know have you ever heard of um uh, it's right there on my tip of my tongue. Uh, Ryan Packmeyer. Mm, I don't know. I'm terrible with names, he, though. <laughs> he was on my show uh, two weeks ago talking about big beers, and he was telling me about a way to do it where, if in case you can't get your hands on a barrel, if you have oak chips, mm-hmm. you just yeah. tor- give them a quick torch, rinse them off, mm. then, then, then soak them in your bourbon, and then just take the chips inside of a cloth bag once everything's been moved over into your keg and drop those into the keg for like two or three days and hmm. you should be good. Yeah, I've heard about the oak chips um, being a good way to, you know, like getting the barrels expensive. So it's an easy uh, way to do it yeah. <laughs> relatively inexpensively and get the same flavor. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. But what are some of the things that you think brewers should honestly religiously have on him i mean for me it's like you got to have a sanitizer and you've got to make sure that you have a an understanding of what your system is and and have things laid out accordingly that's my army ocd just yeah left to right how it's got to (laughs) be uh yeah one of my goals is to be better at me simplas uh i am terribly unorganized um but yes, that's a great idea. Um, that's kind of why I brewed in the uh, in my spare bedroom because everything was just like around me. So it was easy to just have things. Um, I uh, always try to keep Camden tablets around yep. um, in case I can't get RO water. I think my water here is way better though. It doesn't smell like a pool anymore, which I'm all about. Um, Again, sanitizer, super important. Sharpies. Sharpies, I think, are ideal. Also, ball jars. 
I, I harvest all my yeast. So, um, okay. having clean ball jars around makes it so much easier than finding like a random Tupperware <laughs> to like put your yeast in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, I usually order all my stuff online from more beer. Um, so I keep everything in stock essentially. Like I buy my mm-hmm. grain in five fifty-five um, pound bags and I usually have a Pilsner and a two row and some specialties just around and I reorder them when I run out. I also have like, I could probably use my entire freezer for hops, but I tend to keep the ones that aren't open, not frozen. So I'm, I'm actually getting a little mini fridge for my hop obsession. Um, and my goal is to kind of use them all this year, but I don't even think that's possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've already been told I need to use what I have in the freezer before I get any more. Um, so we have one of those drawer free uh, freezers at our house. Yeah, same. So one side of it is all hops that have been given to me. And it's not just not, not the one ounce bags. It's like the one or two pound (laughs) bags I've been given. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to work through this? I know I, I have the exact same problem and the exact same amount of space that I am using in my same little drawer freezer. Um, I'm just happy. I have a bigger refrigerator now, Um, but yeah. And the thing is like, when you do get hops sent to you, it's not like you get to choose what hops you're getting. So like, I constantly run out of like cascade and centennial and Northern brewer and, um, no one's at, no one's like promoting those because they're just you know run of the mill hops everyone uses. So I'm constantly running out of them, having to reorder. And then I meanwhile I have like seven pounds of Sabro. Yep, it's ridiculous. Yep, I mean I've got um a, th- a three pound bag from a, a hop uh, supplier here in Canada called Hop Connect, and they have one that's propri- proprietary only to Canada, and it's called Sasquatch. Oh, and- cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have this sitting in my fridge or my freezer and going, going, use me, use. I'm like, I, I what am I going to use you for? I have no idea. I mean, I'm not, what am I going to use three pounds of hops in a beer unless I'm using making something that's like, like a barrel or something? I mean, mm-hmm. come on. I, I make five gallon batches. I'm trying to get a spike 20 gallon system shipped up, up here, but it's a little on the, yeah. on the pricey side right now so yeah and like I feel like for a lot of my IPAs I was over hopping them for a long time and I would use like maybe probably up to like seven ounces in a five gallon batch like with a dry hop like with a serious serious dry hop um but I don't like them so now I'm scaling back my hop usage and I'm just like, I'm never going to get through all these beers. Like I made a pale ale with like two ounces of hops the other day. And I have oh, a pound of those hops and it's an experimental variety, HBC 431. And I'm just like, I'm interested in finding out what this hop tastes like, but I don't know if I need a pound of it to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've like the brewery, the, my boss, Justin, and he said, Hey, there's a bunch of samples. I'm not going to use. There's only one in there that I want. <laughs> and that's it. The rest is all you. I'm like, Oh, okay. Going through it. I've got like a two pound bag of Sabro. I've got, uh, Oh my gosh. Uh, Manda Bavaria. Uh, 
God. Nanda Bavaria is good to have around because a lot of people don't give away German hops. So like, just, you know, just start making that oh, best that... beer with some Mandarin Bavaria. <laughs> well, I ha- like, I'm planning my, my October season already. Cause I'm looking at doing alt beer, a Martzen and also a, a Hellas. So yeah. I figured I'll, I'll be safe if I have the Mandarin Bavaria on hand in case I want to sw- swap out the Hollertau and throw that in instead. It should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about the, about your brew scene in California? I mean, I know here in where I live, um, unfortunately now with COVID it's, it's non-existent, but we still, we can still go buy beers and things like that. But I, when everything is happening that we have all kinds of festivals and things like that, do you find your, uh, the beer culture where you are is very inviting to the home brewer scene? Um, in Los Angeles, it's getting there. Like, obviously, San Diego is, like, the beer scene of California. Um, and even, I think, San Francisco has more of a beer scene than L.A. does. Um, L.A., uh, you know, it's a cocktail culture. So it's very different. And, brew- like, breweries are just popping up. Um, when I first moved here, I think there was maybe four breweries in all of Los Angeles. And now i mean it's just completely exploded we have like i don't know we probably have like up to 10 homebrew clubs in los angeles at this point probably more honestly just because it's such a sprawling place um you know a lot of brewers are struggling here because of covid um we have been shut down for a while we they just let us start eating outdoors again and breweries are included in that mm. um so that's good but you know i mean there's i looked i did a little brewery map of my new neighborhood and um there's two breweries that are about to open up around me and you know i'm like (laughs) i realized i'm like two miles away from like this amazing sour brewery um called celador it's like like i could walk there if i was really motivated um and we've got a great um english style brewery in like four miles away that's called mcleod and they're amazing nice yeah yeah there's like a lot of little specialty breweries popping up which i really like that's good yeah we have one or two of those here i mean about 45 minutes from where i live uh, we have a german only beer brewer which is awesome Oh my and God, then, that sounds like my dream. <laughs> it's good. And they make really good beer. The The brewmaster actually went to, uh, I believe he said he went to Munich for a year and a half to learn how to make proper German beer. And I'm like, Sheldon, you're awesome. Not too many people I know of would actually go to that distance to actually learn to, to do it right. And then we actually have Canada's only sour brewery about 45 minutes from where i live there's only one that's insane i mean other breweries will 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 make it but this brewery that's all they make is sour beer with with the the oak oak barrels you name it everything and sean is awesome so if you're getting a chance look up small pony barrel works and small pony barrel works and and sean mcveigh is the owner and the brewer and he's awesome 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 that's rad. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like, I don't know what it is with sour breweries, but they, I feel like there's just so many on, like, at least on the West Coast there is. I haven't yeah. ventured I find they're like the, like, like, I find they're the new fad, like, IPAs are. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong, a, a sour, if it's made right, is fantastic. Oh, yeah. But the market doesn't need to be flooded with all kinds of different yeah. varieties and, you know... I don't know if it's beer snob or beer geek, beer nerd, or just me being old and cantankerous, but, uh, you know, once I find one that I like, that's what I'm going to stay with. And I'll try one or two of our new ones. And I'm like, and then I'll just either I'll like it or I'll belittle and berate it because it's not compared to what I'm, what I like. So that's me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like sour, like a good sour is harder to find than a good IPA currently yes. too i feel like a lot of them are just like way overdone and you know it's just like un an unnecessary amount of like stuff happening when mm. you can have just like i think i had what was it i had a uh i'm not gonna remember what the brewery is called but i had a soured mexican lager Ooh. that it was perfect and nice. Jenny, we, Jen, I reviewed it with Jenny. Jenny didn't like it at all. I loved it. Okay. Well, Jenny's, it was, can, it was Jenny's super wrong. light. <laughs> well, hey, tastes are different. We also tried um, this gold winning um, uh, Great American Beer Fest beer by El Segundo Brewing. And it was a double IPA. And it definitely had a strange bitterness. And I'm not sure if we got a weird bottle or if it's meant to be this way, but it had the bitterness of like when you put an aspirin on your tongue, um, that like chalky medicinal bitterness. And it this won gold at the Great American Beer Fest. Jenny was like, I can't drink this. I It's not working for me. And I was like, all right, give it a couple more sips. Give it a couple more sips. I warmed up to it and my husband adores it. But Jenny just like that bitterness really struck her and, you know, taste buds are different. So she might be more um, prone to perceiving bitterness versus like I'm in the middle. My husband's like, can't taste anything bitter for his life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm lucky. Like in in my house, I'm the beer drinker, so I don't have to share with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely... um, I'm the lesser beer drinker here. I'm actually getting into wine right now, which is a bizarre change, but you know, gotta keep it new, keep it fresh. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. A good bottle of wine goes a long way. Uh, Just like a good bottle of tequila goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I I, I love tequila. That's, that's like the one spirit that if you put it in front of me, I'm a happy camper. I am so not into tequila, but we are definitely a scotch family mm-hmm. and my husband doesn't like bourbon but i adore bourbon like my go-to cocktail is just bullet rye with some sparkling water it's and it's like okay. a dash of bitters all but right, like I, right. I get this fancy apple bitters from this uh distillery in la called green i think it's called green bar but it's just like really nice okay all right all right so what do you think uh, homebrewers really need to know about brewing? What do you feel are some of the things when people are getting into it, 
they just don't do? I think temperature control is really important. Obviously, like, you know, if you have a basement, put your beer in your basement. It'll keep a consistent low temperature. Um, That, I think, is the cause of most problems you see on the message boards. When people say homebrew taste, that like, why do I, why am I getting my beer getting this homebrew taste? It's temperature control. Yeah. Sanitation, also super important. But, you know, I've screwed up tons more beers from not having temperature control than I ever have from sanitation. Sanitation, I've screwed up one beer. And that's because I knocked off an airlock before I went out of town. (laughs) And I came back to mold. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I totally didn't realize it. I was like packing and I like bumped it and done. Yeah, but you know, and I think it's important to also know that like, you're going to screw up. And even if you do screw up, there might be a happy accident and you might Mm -hmm. make a beer that you really like. So I was speaking of happy accidents. I was watching your video when you and Jenny opened up those mystery cans. (laughs) (laughs) Those had to be some happy accidents. Um, you know, we didn't love most of them. Um, that blueberry sour though, I'm really surprised how it turned out. Uh, you want to know the best part about that is, uh, you, you saw me telling the story of how every time I make that beer, it explodes Mm -hmm. the next day after that review, I come into the brewery, blueberry beer all over the floor, the pin, (laughs) the, the pin lock, like unscrewed itself just enough to like explode everywhere in the kegerator. It's cursed. I swear it is cursed. I make some beers that are cursed and that is definitely the first, like the most cursed. So, uh, my cursed beer is the Czech Pilsner I make. So the first, the first time I made it, um, I'm like, all right, I got my fermentation chamber. Everything's all set up. And I'm like, something doesn't look right at all, at all. Put it all into the fermenter. I'm like, Still, I'm looking at it. I'm like, still doesn't, doesn't look right. Add the yeast and everything else. Come back when it's, and like, cause I'm using a tilt hydrometer. It's saying, uh-huh. and it's watching, watching it. And it's steady at this one level. I'm like, all right, it's done. Get in there. I'm like, have a, but a two inches worth of beer. Cause I totally miscalculated how much water I needed from my sparge and all the yeast and the flocculation just took over everything else and left me about two inches of beer. Oh my God. That's wild. Yes. I was just like, well, there's a dump. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. It happens. I mean, like there's happy mistakes. I mean, one mistake I made, um, but in the end, uh, the beer tasted really good. I made a s'mores stout and Mm. my mistake was I put two boxes of crushed up graham crackers into the mash. I'm like, okay, that's where it's supposed to go. But I'm like, cement oh cement yeah i'm like okay but the flavor is gonna be worth it cement but after uh if all fermented out you got that nice honey graham cracker flavor in that beer which was a good mistake that it carries over yeah yeah i haven't really done like a pastry anything yet but i'm considering it uh my my Reddit cake day is coming up. So I'm really considering making a cake and making a beer out of it. Oh, there's some good beer recipe cakes. 
Or you just use yeah. you use the beer as the leavening agent. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Some great stuff. Great stuff in there. There's a there's a bakery in Montreal, which is about two hours from here, and they use beer in making their bread. Which is I mean like it phenomenal. makes sense, especially like, you know, if you're using like pasteurized beer, it obviously won't work, but there's still yeast in it. Like um Jenny and I made um bread with beer yeast and it kind of turns out like sourdough, but it's like it was honestly the most beautiful, like white Italian style. Like the inside oh. looked like an Italian, like kind of Frenchy bread. Yep. It was amazing. Oh, all right. Note to self, use beer yeast, make bread. Okay. Good. Good to yeah. know. You definitely have to treat it like sourdough though. It rises very slowly. You have to um, let it rise over the course of like a day and a half. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've never made sourdough, so I really don't know. I mean, I'm usually all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna make egg bread. I'm gonna make a molasses oatmeal bread and go from there. Because like you, I grew up learning how to cook, and I worked in restaurants, going through university and things like that. So yeah, I get it. But I have no patience when I gotta wait for something for a day and a half before I put oh, it in yeah. the oven. My sourdough never turns out either. I was really surprised that the beer bread did. <laughs> I'm All like, right. I can't, I can't make pizza dough or bread for my life usually, but. So what is your next beer adventure going to be? I mean, I know that the podcast is coming, but that aside, beer, beer related, making beer, what is the next beer adventure going to be? Beer adventure. I have like a laundry list of things that I need to brew. Um, that's a good question. I'll send you a recipe. You send me a recipe. We'll see who makes it better. I can do that. Okay. All right. I'll send you the link to my brewer's friend profile and you choose whatever one you want and go for it. Sounds good. There's, right. um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I do want to make more German lagers because I'm like totally obsessed oh. with them. Well, um, I have a really good Hellas, Hellas recipe if you want. Oh, yeah. I'd love All to right. brew that. That'd be great. All right, I'll send you the send you the link for that. And you, let's see, I am a sucker for a good British beer. Yeah, you know I haven't really made any. That's like right. I'm just like trying to make more styles. I need to get. I used to um go through the BJCP and just like mm -hmm. find one that I think I might enjoy at, to some degree and just brew it, even if I've never tried the style before. That's how I started doing my Kentucky Common and my Australian Sparkling Ale. And Ooh. it's such a fun way to do it because like, you know, I'd, I'd never seen a Kentucky common ever or even heard about it. And I was just I've, like, this beer is amazing. I've never heard of a Kentucky common. It's kind of like a California common, but you use, um, you use like corn grits in it and oh. it's really, really light. It's almost, it tastes like a lager almost, but it's an ale and it ferments really quickly okay. and it's really low. It's like 4%. Um, but it's, it was developed to be able to be from brew to drink like seven days. Right up my alley. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So I'll tell you what, if you got a recipe for that, I'll give that a go and we'll see, yeah. see how it goes. All right. All right. All right. Game on. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm excited to get brewing. I haven't brewed for like over a month. Oh no. Well, that's because you've been packing up and moving. So I know I've been moving for like since the dawn of time, it feels like. So has it been like moving like a U-Haul back and forth over the course of the month or packing the cars and going back and forth? It's it's been a lot of trucks and a lot of 
you know, we lived in our old place for about six years and somehow we acquired more stuff than I thought ever humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Wait till you have kids and it just it oh, doubles. Yeah. It doubles that once you have kids. I mean, my son's 19. My daughter's going to be 17 going on 32 soon. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the amount of stuff you accumulate when, even after you have kids and you think you've purged it all. No, you might as well just get one of those big dumpsters out to your out to your driveway and just purge yeah. everything into that. I was joking with my neighbors when I was packing. I was like, "Can we just like burn down the building? Is that is that uh, yeah. an option?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, so so are you going to bring Jenny in on your on your next adventure of brewing? Are you going to have her over the yeah. house too? She's coming over tomorrow, actually. Um, oh. So we're going to review the um, HBC 431 single hot pale ale I made and hopefully do some more stuff. I don't know. We're just like figuring it out as we go. I would love to. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one because when you were making it, it looked interesting. And so I'm curious. Yeah. I think I'm going to make more single hopped beers just so... A, I can use some of the stash, yeah. um, but you know, I think it's valuable to find out exactly how a single hop tastes. So then you can like go into blending it because you know, mm. if you're using like four or five hops. It's hard to pick out what one's doing what, unless it's like mosaic, which has such a distinctive flavor. Yeah. Amarillo is like one of my favorite hops to use, especially in a pale ale. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, I've never done a single hop Amarillo, but I know I have a bunch lying around. So I'm going to have to put that on the list. Seven ounces of Amarillo goes a long way. It works really well. Seven ounces of any hop goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Just because of the type of hop it is, it, it, the, it doesn't kill the beer. It's not overly bitter or whatever. It, I just find it's the right amount. That's my taste anyway. Anyway, yeah. I'm rambling. I'm getting off topic here and here, like, you know, kind of like Doug from the movie Up, the dog that's got that talking collar on him. And you go, my name is Doug Squirrel. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. So uh, we've got, we've pretty much come to the end of the show. Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time out in California for talking to us out here in the frigid north. Greatly appreciate it. I hope the rest of your move goes really well and you get your brewery up and running because I'm pretty sure uh, your viewers are going to want to see you active again and making okay. some more videos and beer. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying. It's a daunting task, but it is getting there. Thanks so much for having me. No, no worries. Thanks a lot for being on the show tight uh and uh guys thanks a lot for coming along the along for the ride and a beer or two along the way uh just so you know uh sarah has instagram a patreon follow her on on both if you want to get some of the cool stuff and merch and things like that for sarah go to her patreon page i believe she also has a website go there too follow her on youtube because it does help her uh progress the, the hobby the culture and what we love to do and drink and yeah thanks for coming out and just so you know uh there are probably going to be some cool guests coming along the way probably also from california or out on the west coast again too uh so i'm going to give you a, uh the two guys both their names start with the letter d so i'll let you draw the line and see what you guys can figure out who it is and they're known for experimental beers so i'm just working on the finer details so again guys thanks a lot follow me on instagram follow me on facebook 
I'm working on my YouTube channel. Yes, I know it's kind of sad and pathetic, but I'm working on it. And uh, follow me on uh, Spotify or wherever it is that you use for your podcast. Again, guys, thanks a lot. It's Dan, and we'll see you on the other side. So I'd like to say thank you to Sarah Flora for being on the show this week. Greatly appreciate her taking the time out of her day to come and talk to us. I know she's in the middle of a move out in California. So Sarah, thank you very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. If you guys, if you haven't had a chance, go check her out on her, her uh, YouTube channel, her Instagram, her Patreon, and everything else along the way. Uh, lots of cool stuff there and some very informative videos for you guys to watch. Again, if you get a chance to leave me a review, either on Apple Podcasts, over on Spotify, Spotify or an anchor or whatever it is that you use for your social meet social media or podcast listening it goes a long way for me to to learn what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong so guys again thanks a lot for tuning in this week and having a beer or two along the way and once more around the sun and I'll see you on the other side